0: So I was going to talk about joy this morning and, you know, as I was kind of getting ready for this, I was thinking a lot about joy and I just kept going from joy into worship. And, I mean, good thing there's a lot of crossover there, so I was able to keep with the theme somewhat, but, you know, I was, well, when I was thinking about worship, I was thinking about this pastor that I was, I sat under for a while when Julie and I were living in Minneapolis and he was, he was an amazing pastor, and I have tons of respect for him, but I kind of disagree with him on some things. And one of the things that he used to talk, he talked a lot about worship, and and one of the big things for his ministry is why do we worship? And the conclusion that he came to and that he taught was that we worship because God is God, because we're not God, and so since God expects us to worship, we better do it. I mean, that's very bluntly. He would not say it like that. But for me, that's what it boiled down to. I just can't see Jesus being a God who expects us to worship um, out of obligation, or to praise out of obligation. That seems so counter to his character. That seems so counter to what his whole life on earth showed us about who he is. The other thing I thought of was some friends of mine and friends who are I guess outside of the church and you know they're 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 struggling to know God and to know Jesus and they're really seeking him and one of the things that they struggle with is coming on a Sunday morning and singing and worshiping and praising. And I've talked a lot to them about why we do this and maybe why they should do this. And, and so it's been something that's been rattling around in my mind and in my heart So why do we do this. And, you know, they'd always expressed to me, and this is kind of a hard thing for me to get perspective on, because I grew up in the church, right? So this seems so normal and natural to me. But they're like, this, this is just weird, you know, like coming with a group of people and, and just having a sing-along. Like, Why? You know, why would we do this? And it's, you know, maybe it is a little odd. This doesn't happen a lot in, you know, you don't go to a pub and break out in spontaneous song. It, it's just that, well, uh, maybe, <laughs> uh, maybe I go to the wrong ones, I don't know. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't believe that worship is an obligation that is put on us by God. I don't believe that at all. I believe that God isn't like a narcissist. Is that, that's how you say it, right? God doesn't get validation through us singing. God doesn't need us to do this to make him complete. God isn't that insecure, fortunately. And so, praise, you know, I think about praise, and praise isn't praise if it's a duty. Just like love isn't love if it's forced, and faith isn't really faith if you're, like, also, you know, hedging your bets on the side. Praise comes from something, it comes from somewhere. I think praise and worship happens when something else happens. And what I mean by that is, I think that something happens to us that causes us to want to praise and worship. And this is, this is different than it being an obligation. Like we praise because we're told to praise. This is saying we praise because we're given reason to praise. This is saying that we praise because the Jesus that we know and the God that we serve just makes us so bubble with joy that this is the only response that we can give. And those friends of mine that that struggle with coming and, and, and singing and, and struggle with what praise and worship is, you know, I it used to be in my mind to to convince them that that this is something you just got to see it through, you just got to make it happen, you know, you just got to grit your teeth. And I mean, John talked a little bit, little bit about that. Um, what well, we were saying about how, you know, we don't, I, what did you say there, John? You weren't listening? <laughs> you weren't listening? Well, if we don't do it, uh, 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 sorry? Yeah, we don't conjure it up. Man, I totally lost it there. If we don't conjure it up. We don't make it happen. It's not through willpower. You know, my prayer for them now is that, is that God will meet them in a way that causes them to want to. That, that Jesus will come into their life in such a way that, that they won't be able to stop themselves from praising. That they'll experience so much joy to who Jesus is, that this is the only thing that seems appropriate. And I, I mean, I think, when I think about joy, and I think about joy in this way, and what it means to, to come from joy and to worship, I was, I was thinking about Vika. And this is, you know, her first real Christmas that she's kind of been aware of herself, I guess, and aware of what is going on around her. And so one night, Julia and I set up the Christmas tree and decorated it. And she has no memory of the one from last year, even though she was here. And she walked out of her room in the morning, you know, kind of bleary eyed in her pajamas. And there's this, I plugged the tree in before she got up. And, and she walked up to it, and all of a sudden she goes, <gasps> and her, her jaw goes like this. <gasps> and she held this pose for like 30 seconds, just... She goes, pretty. And the rest of the morning, she was just hovering around this tree and she would just poke it and squeal and run away and come back and poke it again. And she just had so much joy in this tree. It just caused this reaction in her that she just couldn't contain it. I mean, it was just mind-blowing to her that something could be this beautiful and, and... right in her living room. And I thought of that when, we were, when I was reading this passage um, that, that Rosie read for us. This song of Mary. And as I read it, I get the sense that Mary had just that reaction. And I get the sense that Mary's jaw just hit the floor. And what had happened before this was Mary was just, I don't know what she was doing, just minding her own business. And an angel appeared to her. And this was a time of incredible anticipation in Israel. And everyone was expecting the Messiah to come any day. And the angel came and said, Mary, God has chosen you to be the mother of the Messiah. You, of all people, are the one that God has chosen. And Mary's jaw hit the floor. And when the angel left, she just broke out into song. And what else are you going to do? I mean, that's incredible. And Mary had so much joy that she composed this song of praise. In verse starting 46 there, it says, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. Why would she say this? she say this because she was so blown away because here she was, chosen by God, but, but she's a nobody. She's as much a nobody as anybody. And she knew that. And we, you know, we... We take Mary and we put her into the place of a saint. And we say that she was someone unusual, someone incredible. And Mary was so normal. Mary was so irregular. And God still chose her. And this blew Mary away. She could be overlooked by everyone, but not overlooked by God. In verse 50... It says, "His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation." He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. Some of my favorite psalms are those ones that are looking back into the past. And this was, there's a lot of them. There's so many of these psalms um, there in the Bible. And it was just built into the, how, how the, the Jews would worship. And they had all these psalms that they would sing that would remind them of all these things that God had done for them in the past, how God had rescued them. and he'd, He took them out of slavery in Egypt and He brought them into the Promised Land and He saved them from all these armies who were trying to destroy them and from, from all these like plagues and famines. He, he, just, he just kept coming through. And so they would have days to remember God saving them. Like, like the whole Passover ceremony, that's what this is. It's remembering what God had done in the past. And they just kept passing it down and passing it down. These stories of God's greatness and God's goodness and God's faithfulness and mercy. And while, they, while this was passed down, it would, it would just cause people to praise. This is an incredible reason to praise. If it wasn't for God coming through for them they'd still be in slavery somewhere they would have been destroyed and scattered long ago they only existed because of the goodness of their Lord their God you know I think we have a pretty incredible story too you know it was, it was pretty amazing for me to come to this church and to hear how God has been here for us how Jesus just kept this body together and I've been here five years, and now there's all these further stories in that span of time. I think if we look back, and, and I, I've you know, been able to do this with some people. We did this in prayer and fasting. We did this somewhere yesterday at Helena's memorial. And we look back and we remind each other of what Jesus has done here. And it's amazing. What Jesus has done in this body should give us so much joy. So much thankfulness. And the Jesus that we have served that that has brought us through these last 15, 20 years or more is the Jesus who's with us today and the Jesus who's going to be with us in the future. As He's been faithful in the past, He's going to be faithful in the future. This is This is a reason to have incredible joy in worship. This is a reason to praise God. And this is really what Mary was doing here. She was remembering just how faithful God had been to them. God had been to her people. And how God would remember them. How He would see them through the future. Verse fifty-three, it says, "He has filled the hungry with good things, but sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever. Even as he said to our fathers." Here, Mary's looking to the character of her God. He's saying, "Wow, he's so good." i'm yeah i 'm sure this is especially important for someone like mary and it 's been said a lot just how how humble and she said it there that she was just a, in a real humble state there was a poor family i mean joseph was was a carpenter and um you know but living in some small backwater village and i've you know i've traveled a little bit and i 've seen some places i've been in churches where everybody there except for like me and the other you know, foreigner who I was with was just one bad harvest away from starvation. And you know what? They were able to praise in that. Because what they saw was that they could rely on the goodness of God. They could rely on him to be faithful to them, to care for them. That their present circumstances were not as powerful and are not as powerful as Jesus. And I was just blown away by the praise that would come out in this. And you think about Mary, and you think about the circumstance in which she composed this song. Now, Mary was was young and unmarried. She was, I don't know, maybe like 16, maybe 15 or 14. I mean, she was young. And she was told that... She was going to be bearing a child at a wedlock. This is something that she could have been killed for and at i mean probably the best was that she would be shunned as a sinner that she would be pushed to the sidelines that she would be just whispered against by all the people in this little village that she was in the The news that the angel gave her. Uh, on the surface was not really good news for Mary on the surface but Mary was able to worship in this because she was able to look at the character of God and she was able to see that he was good She saw what could have been taken as a as a punishment, as judgment, as some sort of like sentence against her, and she saw it as a blessing because she knew the source. And how could she take this perspective? I mean it's pretty amazing when you think about it. But she was able to take it because you know joy doesn't come out of our present circumstances. You know, it doesn't come out of a good meal, it doesn't come out of winning the lottery. I'm mean, going bring up I, mean, I was a pastor's kid so I was used as an example a lot so I'm going to do it to my, my kids it's my turn now you know if you if you take a three year old like Mitchell and you give him a piece of chocolate I mean, he's going to be so happy he's going to be thrilled but you know what, there's a pretty good chance that ten minutes later he's going to be throwing a tantrum because he doesn't have a pop now that's not joy that's being caught up in the moment and thinking that how I feel right now is the way things are. And joy comes from something far deeper than that. You see, his joy, and he's a very joyful boy, his joy comes out of having a family that loves him. His co- joy comes out of the stability of being in a place where he's accepted and cared for. And it doesn't come out of the momentary feeling of of happiness that comes with a piece of chocolate in your hand. His joy comes out of knowing that he is in a place where he is safe. That, I believe, is an incredible place to worship out of. Joy is a reflection on the goodness of Jesus and for Mary, she was able to to reflect on on how God was able to take someone like her, who was a nobody, and how he was able to be faithful to her and and her people in the past and, and in the future, and how He was just so good that he was going to care for her, and she was able to worship out of this and it wasn 't about a feeling of her present circumstances; it was about knowing who she was, and knowing that she was loved and cared for and that she was safe because she was a child of God. And, you know, I think the problem that we often have, and if I think about my friends who struggle in praise and worship, is that we, we struggle to recognize God at work. And it's not that He's not at work. It's that we, we don't always know how to see what He's doing and to understand that this is Him working through me. This is Him showing His love to me. And this is is one of my favorite things out of where we're going as a church in that we're seeking to recognize how Jesus is at work in us and how the Spirit of God is at work in us. And we're longing to see it happen more And that's coming out of a place out of seeing it happen before. And the Holy Spirit has worked in us and He has been present here and He's done so much in this family, in this this church community. And from that we're going into and we want to see more of you, Jesus. And the more that we're able to recognize and see and identify the Holy Spirit at work in us, the more this is going to bring us to a place of joy in a place of worship and praise. And it's not going to be because we're supposed to, like we're supposed to worship, we're supposed to praise. It's going to be because, what else are we going to do? This new way of looking at what worship and praise is, is, has been significant for me. And I think... It's significant for us as a church. We go from the place where it's expected out of it or it's obligated, but that's not really praise and worship in, as, as I believe God wants it from us. And we, if we're married, we wouldn't love our spouse because we signed a, a contract in front of some witnesses on a, a special day. That's not... A a really mind blowing reason to love your spouse. You know, we learn to love someone when they give us reason to love them and when we see who they are. And we learn to trust someone when we put ourselves in a position where we're reliant on them to come through for us. And, you know, we learn to be unselfish by making sacrifices. And we learn to open up to people when other people open up to us. And in the same way, we learn to worship and to praise God when we see God at work in us to give us reason to praise and to worship Him. And I see now that that worship and praise should be a response to what God is doing. How God is at work, and this means that that if we want to grow in praise and in worship, and and I I think we need to. I think that we're most complete as people when we are in worship before Jesus, and so I think this is incredibly significant. And so, if we want to learn and we want to grow in in, in our worship. If we want to, I guess, move beyond going through the motions of what it, what it is, and going through the motions of singing and raising hands or clapping or whatever it might be, then I believe we start by giving Jesus opportunities to work in us. I believe we start by coming before Jesus and saying, Just fill me. Work in me, or maybe it's reveal how you're working in me and reveal how you've filled me. And as we do that, I think we're going to find that it just grows in us and it's going to spill out. And I don't know. Going back to Mary, I don't know why God chose her. Of all people, I don't, and there's a lot of theories, and you know, um, and, and some of them are probably very good. But what I do know is that if God is going to choose someone like Mary and going to do something this significant that we're still talking about it today and we still know the name of this nobody over 2,000 years later that God, the same God wants to work in us in this, significance, this a, a way that's just as significant. what i want for myself and for this church is to experience what jesus is doing i want to come and i want to i want to praise and worship in a way that's that's not forced that's spontaneous and i want to i want to identify and talk about How God is at work in us. You know, I want to testify to that. I want that to be something that is so a part of our experience that we can't help but let it out. And I don't think that this is the be-all and end-all in worship. I think that sometimes worship is a choice. I think it's this, I think it's that. It's a lot of things. And I, I don't want to sum it up or, or try to put it in a box by saying that worship always comes from joy. But the fact remains that if we want to come and we want to be worshipers of Jesus, if we want to give him the praise that it's due, that it has to come from somewhere. And as John said, we don't conjure it up. And it'll come out of a relationship with Him. it's my prayer that we are challenged to praise Jesus. And we're challenged to grow in this. And not out of obligation, but because it is the only appropriate response for how He is a part of this church. And it is the only appropriate response to how He is a part of our lives. And the picture that I, I want to leave us with is, is, a, is a Christmas one. You know, I, I, I have a picture of, of God our Father sitting around with us, you know, around a Christmas tree. And what he has for us is just a pile of gifts. And each one of these gifts is just so unbelievably perfect for each one of us. It's just amazing how good this is. And I I, I picture him handing it to us. And I picture him handing it to us with just so much anticipation over how we're going to react. You know, and in my mind, I see us ripping it open and seeing it, and our jaws just hitting the floor. And we go, wow! This is where I believe we're going to go. This is what I believe Jesus is doing. This is what I believe is going to be how we respond. This is what I believe we should be seeking for, that we should be setting ourselves up for. This is what I believe we should be expecting from Jesus. This is what I believe is ours for the taking, if we're willing. And and it's my prayer and my hope and really the reason that I and I think all of us are here Is that we believe that this is what Jesus is doing. And that we believe that He has something for us. That it's just so amazing and so appropriate and so perfect that our jaws just hit the floor. Can we pray? Jesus, we thank you that you love us so much that that you that you want to show yourself to us that you want to use us and that you, you, you sit in front of us with these amazing gifts and you just can't wait to give them to us and you can't wait for us just to scream in excitement and laugh and Jump around. And Jesus, I thank you that this is where you're taking us. Jesus, I thank you that you are so good to us. Jesus, I thank you that you love us enough to care for us. That you love us enough that you want us to relate to you in this way. That you would step down from heaven, that you would humble yourself. That you'd be born in a manger, that you die on the cross. So that we can have the joy that's only found in you. So Jesus, I, I pray not even so much asking for you to to show yourself to us in this way, but in gratefulness and thankfulness that you are and you have and in anticipation of what you're going to do in the future. So, Jesus, we, we just hold out our hands. and Jesus, we're just so excited for what you are doing. Jesus, we're, we're excited for how you're going to show yourself to us, how you're going to reveal yourself to us. How you're going to bring out joy and praise and worship from us. And we just invite you, Jesus, to do whatever it is that you want to do, whatever it is that you know that that is perfect for us. And we invite you to do that here. In this body and in these individuals, we pray. And we just glorify and praise you, Jesus. Amen.